from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. I'm Elaine Chaw. In popular culture, menopause is often the subject of jokes about hot flashes and weight gain. And those jokes are funny because they're so relatable for women at certain stages of life. Scenes from shows like The Golden Girls simultaneously elicit laughs and empathetic groans, as with this scene concerning menopause that features the character Rose and two of her elder housemates, Blanche and Sophia. What do you think, Blanche? Am I through with my cycle? Well, I'd say menopause is a pretty good guess. (laughs) You're about as puffy as the Pillsbury Doughboy. I was talking about my exercise cycle. It's so hard to know what to leave here and what to put in storage. What are you doing, Rose? Oh, I was just going through the change. Well, that explains the puffiness. (laughs) All right, that's it. I'm sick of this. I am not puffy. And there's no similarity between me and the Pillsbury Doughboy. Understand? None. Beyond common symptoms, those Golden Girls' quips point to something significant about the way menopause is perceived, understood, and treated. It centers white women. And that orientation has dominated the medical and scientific study of menopause, which women of all races experience, even though they experience it in very different ways. Dr. McCabe Williams is an obstetrician gynecologist with Washington University School of Medicine in St. Louis who studies menopause, inequities in medical care, physical and mental issues connected to menopause in black American women. She's here to talk with us about that work today. Dr. Williams, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me today. Over 50% of the U.S. population is made up of people who can, do, or will experience menopause. To set the stage, Dr. Williams, give us a quick rundown. What is menopause? Really great question. Um, And as your clip so aptly points out, there's a lot of confusion about what menopause is. So menopause is a physiologic condition that results when the ovary, which is the source, the predominant source of estrogen, declines in function. So the ovary decreases the amount of estrogen that is produced, as well as the ovary ages, ovulation does not occur. And with that, estrogen, which functions throughout the entire body, affecting almost every organ system, has impact. So we see changes in um, weight, we see changes in mood, but those predominant symptoms which we hear about so frequently are the hot flashes, night sweats. We also now learn that women will experience vaginal dryness and a whole host of other symptoms. What is the most common misperception about menopause? I think 
you know, women often or people in general um, feel as though that this is a time of decline um, and that we're just going to shrivel up and dry, you know, um, not to make light of the situation. But the reality is that women are going to spend a half to a third of their lifetime in menopause. So the average life expectancy in this country is 81. So it really behooves us to understand these changes and how we can optimize health in that latter half to a third of a woman's life. Your own interest in menopause among Black Americans specifically started 20 years ago during your residency. What was it that sparked that interest? So In part, I was graduating from medical school at the time that the Women's Health Initiative study was released. It was a very confusing time. Prior to this time point, women had been prescribed hormone therapy as a panacea, um, that it could fix all that would ail a woman. And historically, we promoted estrogen as this sort of fountain of youth. We did these large studies to assess whether or not hormone therapy could be used to prevent cardiovascular disease, which was the leading cause of death in women at the time. So I was coming of age um, in my professional career as this big study dropped. And at that moment in time, women who were menopausal were um, being taken off of their hormone therapy, those women who were symptomatic, and they were often left with no recourse whatsoever. So this stimulated my interest of how we could best take care of this large swath of women in an evidence-based way and to respond to their their physiologic concerns and their clinical concerns. Why do you think it took so long for that study to happen. Well, you know, it's it's really interesting. Um, we have been on this sort of long, you know, going back to the 1800s, we've been interested in hormone therapy. And in part, we had been basing how we care for women off of how we care for men. So a lot of the research that was taking place followed what were we doing in a very homogenous um group of white men. And so, therefore, research was not being invested into women's health. And it really took some political and social capital, so the change of who was being represented even in Congress. And we started looking at how women were being included in research studies that led to the Women's Health Initiative and to better understand what was going on with women's health and how we could prevent some of these concerns. I'd like to invite you into the conversation that we're having with Dr. McCabe Williams. If you have a question or comment about menopause that is specific to black women, give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can also send us a tweet on STL Air. There's at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpr.org. Dr. Williams, you're talking about men and white men being the the standard. Um, And in that clip with the Golden Girls, it's white women who are the standard there. 
You led a research team that examined the findings of several menopause studies, including a roughly 20-year longitudinal study of women of different races and ethnicities. Tell us what those findings revealed about black women's experiences of menopause. From our review of more than 20 years of literature, we were able to glean about 17 studies that really addressed or had African-American women and other women of color in those studies. And I think that sort of speaks to um, my point earlier about the lack of investment in women's health research and then the further marginalization of women of color even in um, studies about menopause. What we found in those women who were participants in those studies is that there isn't a universal menopausal experience. So the experiences of Blanche and Rose and others on the Golden Girls does not necessarily reflect the experiences of African-American women and women of color. We found that African-American women had an earlier onset of menopause. They had a longer menopausal transition, what we often term as the perimenopause, and that their symptoms are different. So when we look at vasomotor symptoms, what we call hot flashes and night sweats, African-American women experience those symptoms with greater frequency. They experience them for far longer. In African-American women, these symptoms last on average 10 years versus six years in white women. And there is overall a higher prevalence of those vasomotor symptoms in African-American women. How have findings like that sort of changed the course of how um, African-American women as patients are treated? You know, it's interesting while we are having a better awareness and understanding, our research also finds that black women are less likely to be treated for these symptoms. And um, it's likely that they're not a part of a conversation that women are having with their health care providers in general. So we know that menopause in general, when we look at women's health issues, this is an underserved area, an understudied area. And then if we segment out to different racial and ethnic populations, we see that there are those women who are less likely to have their symptoms addressed and therefore less likely to be treated for those symptoms. And that is problematic because many of these symptoms are associated with poor health outcomes, can be markers of cardiovascular disease, and we see that there is a disparity in who bears the cardiovascular disease burdens along the lines of race and ethnicity. Mm -hmm. So it gets to the heart quite literally. Yes, absolutely. We have a, a question from a listener How does menopause affect women who have polycystic ovary syndrome? So polycystic ovarian syndrome is um, a condition where women are ovulating infrequently. They um, also are at increased risk for cardiovascular and metabolic disease. I think there's still a lot to learn about the continuum of polycystic ovarian syndrome 
as it relates to menopause. And is that a condition that is more common among black women? polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, I can't really speak to the sort of prevalence Mm -hmm. of um, its sort of uh, racial and ethnic uh, difference. The number and range of symptoms and diagnoses connected to perimenopause, which is that time of transition that occurs before menopause, and menopause itself is fascinating. Can you share an example of a symptom or condition you've seen in your patients that illustrates how menopause plus other diagnoses affect like day-to-day living for someone going to work, caring for a family, and otherwise just living life? Absolutely. And it cuts across all socioeconomic strata and demographics. I have worked um, in academic medicine for the preponderance of my career, and that gives me the opportunity to take care of a lot of patients who may be other academicians and, and other areas, and I get to take care of healthcare workers, um, just all sorts of people. And what is universal about this experience? When you are experiencing this sudden onset of intense heat, say, a hot flash or a night sweat. So no matter what you're doing, if you're up trying to give a lecture, if you are in a boardroom making a presentation, perhaps though you are um, a nurse or you're driving a bus, when that intensity of heat and that physiologic disruption occurs, it can be impairing and jarring cognitively because it is so distracting. So there is this experience that that symptom that can be very disruptive to our activities of daily living and how we're able to execute and function in our professional careers and roles, whatever they may be. And that really gets at sort of what the flash part of hot flash is, because I was thinking of it more maybe as as a a slower or more gentle sort of thing. Um, But that description of it and how how it can stop you in your in your tracks and for sure it is sudden and onset it may last only a couple of minutes and it's this intense heat that builds from the core of the body and radiates outward it can be very distracting to you cognitively many of my patients will also say you know i was thinking of something and i couldn't get to that next word and that can be very difficult as women try to stand up to do to carry out their jobs their functions um, when they are distracted We need to take a quick break, but we'll be back shortly to continue this conversation about menopause in Black Americans with OBGYN and researcher Dr. Makeba Williams. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Now back to our conversation about menopause in black women with Dr. Makeba Williams, obstetrician, gynecologist, and researcher with Washington University School of Medicine. When menopause comes up in media, especially entertainment, it's often tinged with some degree of misogyny. Interestingly and increasingly, 
that seems to be changing. In a scene from the sitcom Blackish, Tracy Ellis Ross's character Rainbow and her mother-in-law Ruby share a humorous moment of bonding over menopause. What the hell are you doing? This sweating is killing me, Ruby. I'm trying to manage this perimenopause. I'm so over it. I'm over it. You know what? If you repeat a word I'm about to say, I'll deny it. You hear me? Yeah. I've gone through menopause. Yeah, I, I, Mm -hmm. I know. Well, menopause sucks. Yes. Your body spends decades growing and taking care of life, and then Mother Nature thanks you with hot flashes and mood swings. Oh, let me tell you something, Ruby. I ran for three miles after an ice cream truck today, and then I punched a dent into the side of it because they told me that they didn't have any more tutti frutti. <laughs> it was not one of my finest moments. <laughs> oh, honey, that's nothing. One time I had a hot flash sitting there waiting to get a bank loan. I started tearing my clothes off like a Vegas showgirl. Dr. Williams, that Blackish episode aired just last year, uh, 2022. I wonder whether Ruby got that loan. (laughs) Um, From your perspective, what social, cultural, or historical factors have been spurring movement toward more empathetic and frank talk about menopause? Well, I think all too often we have characterized women um, as going, uh, dare I say, crazy during menopause. I mean, the mood symptoms often are overplayed. Um, and I think it's important for us to reframe this conversation. We women are not um, going crazy, right? Um, that we often are at our most powerful selves. We have a lot to contribute and to characterize this time period as such um, of one of low utility of women, low productivity of women does everyone a disservice and it is distracting from really addressing the true health concerns and health opportunities that women face in midlife and beyond. Again, women are going to spend a third to half of their lives during this time period. It is an inflection point for when cardiovascular disease begins to take off. It is a change in bone health for many women. And so for us to sort of divert our attention to many um, trivialities associated with this characterization of women as moody um, and um, uncontrolled does not give us the focus and the attention in actually improving health and health equity mm-hmm. for women. And when it comes to this point about changes that happen in menopause, we did get a question from Tammy on Twitter. And Tammy's asking whether there's research on the shrinking of fibroids during menopause. Is that a change that happens? 
Um, we do see that many fibroids may be estrogen dependent, and so the trajectory of fibroids and menopause is that they will tend to shrink and become less bothersome. Fibroids can cause abnormal bleeding, they cause pain and discomfort. And so with the loss of estrogen, no more periods, we make a diagnosis of menopause when there are when a woman has gone one full year without menstrual periods. So at that time period, we see those abnormal bleeding symptoms that plague so many women who are faced with fibroids decline, decrease, and are no longer a bother. Mm-hmm. Now, the review that your team published last year, it connects cumulative stress and trauma from racism to premature menopause. What is considered premature? Premature menopause is going to be menopause that occurs before the age of 40. Um, We have early menopause that it's diagnosed between the ages of 40 and 45. We do find that African-American women will experience an earlier menopause, have more prevalence of premature menopause as well. And this going back to this question about fibroids, African-American women tend to um, be diagnosed with fibroids more often, often will have hysterectomies as a treatment option for fibroids more than other women, and thus may then, that could be a confounding factor for women of color, black women going into menopause earlier. And Just as a point of clarification, what is a fibroid? A fibroid is a benign tumor that grows from the muscle wall of the uterus, the womb. Now, what is it then that makes premature menopause a bad thing as opposed to, well, then I'm I'm getting it over with early and I can spend the rest of my life sort of in this this post-menopause stage? Really great question. Premature menopause is associated with higher cardiovascular disease risk, um, associated with premature bone loss. And when we see more bone loss, it increases the risk of um, fragility and fractures for women, which can be very catastrophic. So things like osteoporosis um, are more prevalent in women who, or, or osteopenia that accelerated bone loss associated with premature menopause. So we really worry about cardiovascular disease Mm -hmm. and bone loss in our prematurely menopausal patients. I mean, apart from fixing ills at the societal level, because we're talking about racism, what what is something that can be done to prevent premature menopause from afflicting um, women at younger and younger ages? I think, you know, in general, we have to think about awareness um, and having conversations. We find all too often that many women of color are not having conversations, much like in the clip that we just heard. There aren't these conversations. There's a lot of tolerance of many of the symptoms, um, and that could be culturally driven. We don't talk about it, so we don't understand that many of these menopausal symptoms can have some long-term health sequelae. So it's important for women to become advocates for their own health, to go in to have conversations with their health care providers, to be curious. And also, I would implore healthcare providers to begin to appreciate that there isn't a universal 
experience in menopause that many women of color may be reluctant to bring up the topic, but we approach it in a universal way where we're asking key questions of all midlife and menopausal women about their how they're experiencing menopause, what is their outlook, what are, what are their thoughts, and that we respond in a culturally responsive way. Finally, why does it behoove the medical and scientific communities to pay much closer attention to menopause in black women? You've talked about some of that, but what about those who are not part of the medical and scientific community, the community at large? Why should it matter to us? It should matter to us because we do not want to continue to perpetuate disparities in health. Women are 50% of our human race and our being. And then we look at the contributions that women make and African-American women make, um, other women of color make. And so we have an opportunity to decrease disparity in health. Um, And so I think it is important that we continue these conversations, that we broaden our um, conversation beyond just reproductive health, but we see the contributions. Dr. Michaela Williams is a practicing obstetrician, gynecologist, and researcher with the Washington University School of Medicine. She spoke with us about distinct dimensions of menopause in Black American women. Thank you, Dr. Williams, for being on the show. Thank you. This episode was produced by Maya Norfleet. Our audio engineer is Aaron Doerr. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. This podcast was mixed and edited by Aaron. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.